am Tahira Joy, founder of The Cut Life, and you are tuned in to The Cut Life Podcast, where we talk all things short hair, hairstylists, celebrities, and beauty news. Are you ready to cut up? So welcome, everyone. I am excited to be back for another episode. Listen, this week has been crazy for me because I am in the middle of a complete rebrand of thecutlife.com. So I had a major photo shoot shot by my girl, Kayla Madonna. I had um, two models, Jasmineek, who's featured on the page quite often. And my hairstylist, Erica Ash, she also served as a model on the shoot, had my guy AC Hampton doing BTS videos. So I'm excited for you guys to see these new images, for you to see the new and improved thecutlife.com website. So stay tuned for that. And as always, we are super, 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 super excited about the Cut Life University membership program. Members are coming in. They're getting excited. We have our first monthly group call coming up. We have some guest speakers that are going to come in and give their expert advice on styling techniques, business strategy, social media strategy by yours truly. So make sure you are logged on to the cutlifeuniversity.com. Pick your membership option. You can DM me personally at Sahira Joy if you have any questions. And hey, let's go. We have um, an exciting guest today, my homeboy, Stephen Webster. He's at Stephen Webster Beauty on IG. He has coined the phrase, Black Girl Blonde. He specializes in doing color services, blonde color services on black girls. So, you know, I'm excited to talk to him. And we have like a hot topic question we're going to get into because I definitely need to know his opinion on this, something that has been all over the social media streets. So stay tuned. Okay, so I am super, super excited about today's special guest. It's my boo, Stephen Webster. You may follow him on Instagram at Stephen Webster Beauty. And I figured we should kick off <laughs> this conversation with a hot topic. I'm just going to bring him right in. And hey, Stephen. Hey, Tahira, my favorite, favorite person <laughs> in the industry. Oh. You know, one of my favorite in all the world, but in the industry for sure. It's my boo, Tahira, of The Cut Life. What's up? I love, I love you. I love this hat. I love this whole look. Thank for those you. of you Thank that are listening, you. he looks amazing as always. <laughs> um, so, yes, I figured... Since we always kiki on the phone, <laughs> we should kiki on this podcast. And I wanted to bring you right in on tonight's hot topic question. Okay. Okay. So I'm scrolling Instagram and you know, things go viral. <laughs> of course. And there's this quote by a woman named Tierney Sims. Okay. And I guess her tweet went, went viral on Twitter and then the screenshot ended up on IG and went viral there. And she says, bring back the stylists who wash and grow hair. These new stylists just lay lace. Interesting. <laughs> and there were tons of comments. Um, and I'm assuming a lot coming from a younger, you know, generation mm -hmm. of women who are, you know, into the wig and weave game and maybe even getting braids and they're being required to come prepped 
before their service. So they're mm -hmm. washed, conditioned, detangled, blow dried, and just ready for service to begin. Now, mind you, growing up, that's something pretty familiar in the braiding community, especially depending on where you go. A lot of times they do expect you to come fully blown out and ready for the braiding service. Mm -hmm. But in a salon environment, I have never in all of my years, which I won't say how many those are, but I, <laughs> I have never experienced going to a salon that was not full service. I expect to come and get the shampoo, the conditioner, the detangling, and then we're molding or whatever. Now, mind you, obviously, if we're doing a special treatment or some type of deep conditioner or maybe something beyond a trim, like a cut or a color, obviously, you expect to pay more for those prices. But I feel like certain things are a part of the, I mean, they have shampoo style listed on services. <laughs> exactly. So I just want your opinion on, as an experienced stylist in the game, your opinion on this new wave. And mind you, maybe I am just not well-versed because I'm not a wig girl mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. discriminate, mm -hmm. but I, I'm not familiar with that process. So... Let me know what you think, Mr. Webster. Well, you know, it's so interesting that you that that this is I was I was unaware, you know, that 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 this particular tweet or that this person's tweet had gone viral. But certainly amongst professionals, it's been a big, big topic for I'd say really the last two, three years. So certainly, you know, I'm not surprised. You know, I can I have to date myself. Right. In order to have this conversation, unfortunately, you know, my little baby face. It's, 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 you still cute. You good. Out, right. <laughs> but I started in this industry, albeit I was albeit young, but I started in this industry at, you know, in the 90s. Right. The late 90s, but the 90s nonetheless. And so I started at a time when it was all about the full service salon, right? Right. That had been the trend within our community probably up until very recent times. And so this new phenomenon, because that's really what it is, of, you know, we don't do shampoos, arrive like this, arrive like that, basically arrive ready for me to just get to it, you know, comb in hand, you right. know. And either I'm picking up a, a ceramic iron or shears. I don't know, you know, but to your point, um, that was a practice that was most commonly uh, done and associated with braiding salons. Right. Mm -hmm. Because different rules and regulations uh, from state to state, although they vary within the cosmetology field, did not require that uh, braiders be licensed. I, I remember kind of when I started in the industry, there were certain cities and certain municipalities that were per petitioning for, mainly from licensed professionals, making them have some type of licensure, even for doing braiding. But I don't think many of them were very successful mm -hmm. um, in, in doing that. But I recall, if memory serves me correct, it was a part of your uh, kind of like it was really an aspect of the health aspect because people often forget it's health and beauty, right? They kind of are part of the same, uh, they're married, right? And so when someone comes into the salon space and you are working with their hair and their scalp, 
the scalp and the hair is an appendage of the skin, right? So we often, people just don't really think about it in all of these terms. We have to learn, th- learn things like bacteriology, sanitation. There's a myriad of things that we have to learn that are not sexy, right? You know, that you just have to learn in order to become licensed. Well, you know, social media has really changed um, people's opinion, mainly the people that are performing the services about, first of all, even being licensed. So what happens is that you have a large number of people now that are in the industry, that are working in the industry, that are very successful, right? If you're looking at numbers and if you're looking at their revenue and if you're looking at their popularity, super successful in that regard, right? Because success is relative, that are not licensed, or if they are licensed, they've been trained under this new kind of mode of doing business. Um, Before you continue, I had a quick question, um, especially about being licensed, Mm -hmm. Um, which to my understanding from my stylist network of friends, that being licensed means that you are licensed to perform chemical services like hair color relaxers that sort of thing that's why you know in the braiding community because they're technically not using a chemical that they don't necessarily have to be licensed and i wonder does that now translate with what you're saying today with a lot of the you know lace wigs and you know that sort of um situation where you are in my opinion you are using a chemical because if they're using a glue to lay the, the lace is still a chemical, but I guess tech, in some way they don't necessarily consider that a full chemical service. Is that the under? Is that what you're communicating to me? That because if I see you on IG and you're laying a wig with some baby hair and everyone's going crazy over it, that doesn't necessarily mean they have a license. Well, I think that a lot of people that perform those services for some reason you know, they don't have a license, right? It's like, you know, and people are not going to like it, That you know, the ones that, I, that I'm talking about. But a lot of people that do that, they don't have a license because there is a component of it that is like that of the braid salon, so to speak. Keep in mind- in this Like the braid down before you put, apply. Exactly. So essentially the person feels like, well, if you come, typically I think the instructions are, you know, come shampoo with no oils, no grease, no cream, no gel, or something like that in your hair. I think that was something that was widely adopted from braiding salons for obvious reasons, because mm-hmm. the hair needs to, there needs to be a certain degree of, it just needs to be a canvas where they can add whatever type of ointments, gels, pomades to perform the task as they need to perform it, right? And when someone has something on the hair, you know, that you're not accustomed to, it can just infringe on your ability to be efficient, right? And we know that braiding is already a long process. But a lot of people that do lace applications, I have found in my experience working in my salon, and I've had one person that was an apprentice of mine that did do lace, and she really enlightened me. I remember the first time she had a client come in uh, because she would see clients like Monday, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I remember she was doing a wig and, you know, it, it was the strangest thing I had ever seen because the young lady came in, she took off her existing wig. She took some alcohol. She started rubbing the alcohol on her skin. And, you know, she was beginning to apply a new unit. So I was really, obviously I'm going to be professional and in no way would I embarrass her or kind of like compromise like her brand in that moment. Right. I was literally thinking, what the are you doing? Right. 
because I said, so I said to her the next day, I said, because I left, you know, I trusted her. She's a great stylist, right? right? And she is licensed. So I think that more so, maybe I should kind of retract that statement, but it's too late, right? I think that a lot of the people that are performing those like lace applications, right? It's not that they're not licensed. They're of a certain generation, generally speaking, right? right. They're of a certain generation. I just don't happen to be a part of that generation. I do tons of wigs, but all of my wigs that I market, that I sell, and everyone that purchases from me purchases with the intention of wearing them in a glueless fashion, right? And they still care about the hair under there, like what's happening, right? Sure, there are a couple of people that are compromised due to certain health conditions or just things beyond their control, but generally it's women with full heads of hair that have no intention of neglecting that God-given thing that they have, right? Just like you with your braids, right. yeah, it's a form of an extension, but you still value very much like your hair. You know what I mean? And I'm glad you said that because then my next question would be, is it also, because listen, we're having this conversation because obviously it's a hot topic on social media. And it's not to say that if you're performing these services that you're not a great hairstylist or that, not you, at all. Or that you don't care about hair care. That's definitely not what we're saying at all. But um, there is also sort of an expectation that people who may be used to receiving salon services have. And so when they're not met, when the expectation is not met, then it kind of creates an interesting relationship. And so now is it that the responsibility is not just on a stylist, but on the consumer to ask, ask questions and, requ and, and request a consultation maybe before receiving services? Because at the end of the day, you know, stylists have their different way of doing things. But as a consumer, you know what you or a client, you know what you want your end result to be. So for instance, if I'm going to get my hair braided, I'm gonna communicate that I don't want you to grab every bit of my edges and make the braids so tight that my scalp feels like it's on fire because I want my edges to be there when I take the braids out. There. And, <laughs> and personally, and I love seeing, you know, amazing, you know, stylists like Kalon Derrick and Cospin. Oh, amazing. You know, those are Derek people that- Tank, Who is like- Yes. It's unreal, you know what I mean? What yeah. he does. That are awesome. And, and, I like their clients, too, and their clients still have edges. So I think that. But you know what? Like, I think, uh, I think I'm think i almost certain Arrogant Tay, I know that he's licensed. I know that he's certainly gone to school and received all of the training, right? Right. But some people go to school and receive all of the training and are not licensed, right? But I do know that he's been formally trained. And to be honest, you can tell the difference. You know what I mean? You right. can tell the difference. But I did want to say, um, um, uh, real quick, back to what she did. You know, she used the alcohol. She didn't shampoo there. I asked her the next day. I said, so you don't shampoo there? She said, no, we don't shampoo it. I said, but I said, but she took a wig off and she, so for my, my whole thing is that it's not sanitary, right? Mm -hmm, okay. Um, and, 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 and bacteria. And I just think about all kinds of germs. And this is the reason why there are different funguses and all kinds of things, yeast, all kinds of things grow on the scalp, which is why, you know, you see a lot of people experiencing hair loss. You know, we all know Jasmine here in Atlanta and certainly a lot of people do all over the world, razor chick, yeah. you know, but she, she has, has, has become extremely popular for basically basically healing or, or trying to assist these women with wearing hairstyles after experiencing that. And right. that has happened as a result of not of the people that are doing it right, but it's the people that are doing it wrong. And we all know that bad news travels faster than good news. 
But I have kind of like a, I'm in the middle and people are very surprised, right? Because, you know, it's Stephen Webster. He's so highbrow. He's so bougie. Oh my God, what? <laughs> when other professionals ask me this, you know what I tell them? I say, it depends, right? Mm-hmm. They say, do you think that people should come shampoo? Let me tell you what I think. So no, I don't think that they should. But let me tell you why they are. Because not only have the stylists changed, but I've got to stand with my other stylists here. Professionals, licensed, non-professionals, right? If this is just something you're doing as a hustle, right? You're still working hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so whether you're licensed or not, it doesn't negate your talent. I feel like kind of like those are two separate issues. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. But Clients have changed and the expectations of people have changed. And it has forced some hairstylists and some professionals into this mode of having to do everything kind of like a la carte, right? Mm -hmm. And fee for service rather than this is the fee and this is what's, it's kind of understood what's included. Here's the thing. People are busier than they've ever been, right? Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about Black women in particular, where they are on the socioeconomic strata now, and as it relates to education and so many other bullet points, I mean, they are at the top, right? And that's what we love. But their expectations and their needs have changed based on that. They have more money. They are the most educated group of women here in the United States, right? If not in the entire world. So what that means is that, and they have careers that are very demanding. So they have a lot less time. Gone are the days of the 80s and 90s where women want to sit in the salon. All Saturday long. You're right. (laughs) They were stay-at-home moms maybe at that time. They didn't have careers that were as demanding. So people don't really always look at, not you, but they don't look at how socially and how uh, uh, professionally and just different cultural aspects, just how things have changed, which creates a difference in what people expect. So now these women are much more demanding with their time, right? right? And then you have the proliferation of all of these Instagram stars, right, who do stars, mm-hmm. who are viral all over social media. And guess what that woman wants who has the means and the access? She wants that celebrity's look. Okay, there you go. Or that reality star's okay, look. Okay, there you go. Right. But what has happened is that some people, their expectations and their, 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 their demands and their bank account don't really coincide, right? Mm -hmm. So they are not understanding that, you know, in order to get this look, it requires X amount of time and it requires X amount of dollars. But if you don't, maybe you have the dollars, but you don't have the time. So stylists feel, let let me say this if I'm not going all over the place and, you know, reel me in, okay? Because you'd have to do this. I got you. I got you. We have a private conversation. And this is something that I work with with, with, with with other professionals, like when I do private coaching with them. A lot of hairstylists and beauty professionals all across the board, they don't charge what they're worth, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they begin to do, because the demand is so great at this certain price so point. So maybe there's a, a frustration that has come. There's and a frustration. They're like, I need, to, I need to save time and get more people in the chair. So in order to save time, it's almost okay. like, let me cut a corner where I can. And almost assuming that me not shampooing their hair isn't really a big deal. However, 
I, but I know when I shampoo my hair at home, child, big deal. <laughs> versus when a stylist does it, it's a different, it's a different result. Like it'll get clean, but it's still a different result. I mean, we could go on and on with this topic all day, but I don't want to, I mean, obviously it's a hot topic because we've spent some time on it and we could probably continue to go. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, we're not dissing one side or the other, not at all. but it seems that the common denominator is maybe education that needs to be implemented and people coming up with better systems to even, you know, maintain their clients. Because at the end of the day, you want to have a great experience for your clients. And I don't think any stylist, no matter what level they're on, wants to leave their client with no edges at the end of the day. Like that should never be the goal. So Stephen, I'm so happy to have you here. Stephen Webster Beauty for those tuning in. You are an absolutely amazing stylist. We met through a mutual friend, Maya Sly, who is a fabulous serial entrepreneur out here just doing her thing. And we just immediately connected. And I think one of the things that I really did connect with you on is the fact that so many stylists that I run into feel like they have to specialize in everything and don't and think that they can't still have a profitable (laughs) career and have a specialty and what i love about you is that you are the trademark go-to for black girl blonde and you have a slew of clients um you know amazing beautiful black women that come to you specifically for blonde services and so i just want to take this time because i know i could go back into how you got started and all that which i'm not saying that is not interesting but i want to dive right into black girl blonde and how you even determined that would be a thing for you and how that came about yeah you know that's 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 like kind of like that's a really funny thing how that happened right so kind of going back like when i apprenticed when i one of my first well it was my first professional um, apprenticeship in which I was paid, like the people that I apprenticed before, you know, I was 15, 16, 14 even, and I wasn't paid. I was just in the salon doing whatever you want me to do. I was just doing it, right? Which I loved and I'm super grateful for. So my first paid apprenticeship, my first job. You, you know, see, you're booked and busy, y'all. <laughs> I know. <laughs> notifications I, going on. I know. And it's like, I feel like terrible about this. Sorry about that. No, you're fine. But um, it was with a colorist. Mm-hmm. And I was always really intrigued by color. So when I was, when I was, like I said, a a preteen, young teen, I started like so many years ago, like playing in here, I would go. So I remember my mom, um, who's, 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 who's a family friend at the time. He made me this special stand for like a mannequin. And it was, it was like a little mini, like, station for me to like put all my things on. And I used to, I didn't have access to trade stores. Right. So the only thing I had access to was like Sally or, you know, just neighborhood beauty supply store, but I'd go to Kroger Publix, anywhere that I could find box color. And I would just play around with box color and mix it up. And I was just fascinated with color and anything related to the business that was transformative was Mm -hmm. what moved me the most. Right. So I remember that of all the things that I did when I was in cosmetology school, I was really, really connected to color. 
and even cut, you know, which a lot of people don't know. But if it was going to transform someone and make them look totally different, that's what I was about. As I uh, uh, moved through my experience in doing color, I found that I was doing a lot of corrective work and wanting to do a lot of corrective work with black women and women of color that had blonde hair. Because I thought everybody that was saying it was blonde, I'm like, is it me or is it orange? It's is orange it and, and a nasty yellow. <laughs> a nasty yellow, you know, and not, in a, and not in a good way. And so I just consistently saw it and people thought it looked good, right? But me being the, the, the very critical person that I am, I'm thinking, that don't look good, right? And so I thought, I'm going to improve it, but not with the intention of like, I'm going to become a black spe- blonde specialist. I'm going to become, I just committed and focused and honed in on how can I make this better? Because, you know, the tenant of my brand specifically, and of course, I love all women, but because I'm luxury based and that's kind of where I started and that's my center, I felt as if there was a void of luxury for black women. Mm-hmm. Period. You have all of these black women who have so much uh, uh, disposable income or so much access or so much desire. It's not even about money to have the best that they can get. Right. And so um, I felt like it was lacking, you know, and I thought what are, there are they're amazing hairstylists. Right. They're amazing all kinds of people. They're amazing colorists, but no one was really focused and centered on making black women, women of color, women with some tan in their skin, you know, right. some somewhere, look best with blonde hair. So it kind of just took off, you know, and then with social media, it was something that I always did, but I didn't really center and focus my promotion around it. Mm-hmm. When I began to post before and afters, Right. Listen, those before and after, Stephen. Who child? So, and it was actually a really, really dear friend of mine, my friend Keith, who said, Where are your before and afters? He mm-hmm. was like, I cannot believe what this person looked like before and what they look like now. Because what I used to do was, and you remember this, I would post blonde hair. Right. And that's cool. The blondes look great. You know, that's that 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 that's cool. But it was when people began to see the before and after that the trust factor and the desire went really, really high. Because if someone comes in with blonde hair and I just style it, oh, he's a great hairstylist, whatever. But when you see what I can do from beginning to end, and that's kind of like the whole idea and concept of the actual Black Girl Blonde service, is that you go from dark to light, multidimensional blonde in the same day, uh, and you do it in a way in which it's sustainable and you compromise the person's hair as little as possible in doing it. And there's a whole little technique and a process that I use in order to do that. But um, yeah, it happened just because it was like, I wanted to bring, and I want to do it no matter what I'm doing, whether it's a blonde or not. For me, I just believe that Black women, if you look at historically who they've been in this country and throughout the world, um, they have really given the most, right? And it's hard for me to not kind of like make this into like a little spiritual moment because that's just who I am, but they've given the most. Mm-hmm. You know, they have given the absolute most if we really want to be honest and look at history. And I feel like very often they're given the least. So whatever it is that I do, you know, if I'm a hairstylist, if I'm a hair colorist, if I'm a lawyer, if I'm a pastor, if whatever I am, right, 
it's my job and my duty to serve those people and give them my absolute best because they're entrusting me with an aspect of their life. You know, beauty is something that people make into this very superficial thing, but I can't tell you the letters that I've gotten, whether they've gone blonde or they've gotten whatever they've gotten. I can't tell you how many letters I get or have received throughout my 20 plus years of doing this that say, you know, you gave me the confidence to like, I don't know, go to law school. You gave me the confidence to leave a bad relationship. You gave me the confidence just to believe in myself. And we all know that how you look, you know. hair is a mood shifter for sure. It's a mood changer right and when you do something that alters someone's hair kind of permanently or let's say semi-permanently right because hair grows color grows out you know cuts grow out but when you do a cut on someone's hair right which is why the cut life you see all of these before and afters with haircuts the person the actual energy the countenance it's different it's very looking at the hair but the energy literally shifts and usually, if you pay attention to those people that, I, 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 I'd, I'd say Jillian, right? When I think about Jillian. Hey, Jillian Garcia. If you're right? Looking. You know, to me, yeah, she's an amazing artist. But you know what it is? That thing that I'm talking about that I have? She the joy. Has, it's a spiritual connection. It's a ministry, so to speak, right? right. Not, a, not a religion. It's a ministry, so to speak. A calling that you have to serve people to give them this gift, impart it within them, make them better. And by virtue of doing that, you know, the the, the, the amount of blessings that I have and opportunities that I have, even sitting here, right, they come exponentially because I've made a commitment to really give and be of service, right, to the world. And my focus in particular is that of Black women. Well, Well, listen, well, well, speaking of being of service um, and our original topic um, dealing with hair care, not only have you trademarked this and perfected this to the highest level, but you also have your own product line for women to maintain, because that's one thing about color and black women in general. We love to change our look and hair color is probably number one in the areas of where we will do a change. A lot of times people will change their color before they will get a haircut because that sometimes can be a bit more daunting, you know, to cut inches versus, you know, changing the color. Um, So you have your product line um, for people to help maintain their color. And I know you have some education coming. I'm going to put that out there because when you you, you talk (laughs) to your friends privately about the things that they're doing, you got to say it publicly so we can manifest. But he has accountability, right? Yes. He has education coming as well but talk to us real quickly before we depart about your product line um education and anything that you know you would like to plug um to the cut life podcast oh you know what i i i, I didn't have to be tacky you know and try to slide something and you oh you it. know i'm gonna make you promote <laughs> you me i'm gonna you make know. you promote the floor is you yours. know i appreciate that so yeah you know stephen webster beauty uh, the collection, as it's affectionately referred to, is a is a is a is a product line consisting of five products to really help keep the hair hydrated, mm-hmm. uh, to keep your hair uh, just healthy, right? And I said hydrated first because 
two of the main components that are important in maintaining strong, healthy, hydrated hair are protein and moisture, right? If, if the people that are listening can remember those two things, you're good to go. Now, understanding the ratio and the balance that you need in order to maintain that is what's most important. So within my product line, it contains those elements in a very balanced way to help you do that at home or to take it to your professional if they don't have their own product line. It's really geared and designed to help a person. Well, we can have that. Sally's retail it, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, there have been some people that want to kind of help me yes. do that, uh, but I need to set aside some time to really become a lot more intentional about seeing that happen because I know that, you know, from my mouth to the universe's ears, it always comes to pass. It's just about me setting aside the time to kind of like do And that. we're keeping Stephen Webster on the label. Oh, yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. A recommendation of a friend, uh, you know. <laughs> listen, listen. First initial T, last W. So that was her advice. And uh, also, you know, we've got campaign 2022, which kind of is, of course, in alignment with what you've got going on with the Cut Life absolutely. and your educational, the Cut Life University. The Cut Life University, right? absolutely. Yeah. So you've got... Yeah, you will be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, you've got the amazing Evie who is heading that. I think is amazing. Yes. Um, and I'm going to be a part of that as one of the educators. And then for me, my mission is to educate at least 2,022 people for this year. I love it. In this year and educate them. Hey, that could happen in one fell swoop. We've already done six people. So the number's dwindling down slowly but surely, but at least to educate 2,022 people for this year. So that's kind of where I'm pivoting right. a little bit more because that's what the people have asked me for, right? Yeah. I can only serve service so many clients. So it's time for me to kind of pass the torch and uh, impart some of the wisdom that I have in, into other professionals so that they can grow their business and, and, and change their life as well. Because we provide education and then we plug products. Okay. It, exactly. Hello. Well, let everyone know um, how they can connect with you on social media. If you have a website or anything that you would like to plug, I know you, your calendar stays um, booked. So I don't know how far in advance people need to book with you, but any information you'd like to leave with us, please do so. Well, yeah. Um, so, you know, you can reach out using my name. That's Stephen spelled with a PH, Stephen Webster Beauty, essentially across all platforms. But IG is kind of where it goes down. Like I have a Twitter, but I like have no idea what I'm doing there. <laughs> random post. Um, but IG is really where it goes down. And if you really want to kind of get to know me, hopefully you can catch me on live sometime because that's when I really unplug kind of like this. Yes. Uh, but Stephen Webster Beauty. And of course, you can visit my site if you want to find out any information about any of my products, uh, stephenwebsterbeauty.com. And if you're interested in education or anything like that, you can also find that on IG. There's a link tree there. There are different links. It says, Stephen, teach me products, whatever you're looking for, it's there uh, on IG. And before I leave, you know, I say it all the time in private, but I must say it in public. Tahira, you really are the most amazing person that I know in the industry. Um, the amount of information, this is a very interesting place, the beauty industry. Um, it can be a very superficial place, but when you're true to yourself, you know, the universe will align you with people of like 
spirits and of like mind. So that's a part of it, but that's not the whole, right? So I'm looking forward to more people connecting with who you are as a person in 2022 so that we can affect the whole and create a more balanced, loving experience for people that are in this industry. So you're amazing. I know that you're going to continue to be blessed. Amazing things are going to happen for you in 2022 and beyond. I just thank you for being you. Thank you, Steven. You know, I love you down. I love you, too. I love you down, girl. Love you down. <laughs> and I'm just so excited to have you on the podcast. I think everyone listening should definitely follow you at Steven Webster Beauty Thank and you. to get Thank to you. know how amazing you are as well, not only as a hairstylist, but just as an overall human being. And I just appreciate you and love you. And thank you for being here with us. Thank you. And we got to do it again, too. We will. You know, we got more tea that we you can know spill. I talk a lot. <laughs> you know, we got more tea we can spill. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much to hear. And I appreciate you and your entire community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Cut Life Podcast. Make sure you check us out every Friday. And for more information, visit us on thecutlife.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Tahira Joy and The Cut Life.